0: Thank you for listening to the Fire Life Church podcast. For more information on Fire Life Church in Irving, Texas, please visit wearefirelife.org. We pray the Lord blesses you greatly through this message. Um, So if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Luke 16, I think there's a couple other scriptures that we will probably read as well. Um, I kind of want to tie up. So uh, three weeks ago, I started with A Spirit of Poverty, Two weeks ago, I talked about mammon. Last week, Hank talked about being a dwelling place for God. And this week, I want to talk about true riches. Um, I don't know really how I'm going to do this today. I'm being honest with you. Like, I have a whole lot in my heart. I don't know how it's going to come out. So I'm going to ask for grace. (laughs) All right. Um, So can we just pray? Because um, I I don't want to preach a sermon. I really want, want a word of the Lord to come forth. And I want it to shift us. And so, Father, I just, I pray that right now, like, I don't want to preach a sermon. I don't want to come with enticing words or men's wisdom, but we want to come with the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Lord, your gospel is power. It's the power to change us. Come on. <laughs> We're not ashamed of it. So, God, I ask you to help, us, help me to preach the gospel today. And, God, I pray that your words would find a good place in our heart and that you would break bondage, that you would set captives and prisoners free, that you would comfort those who grieve. Come on. Thank you for it, in Jesus' name, amen. So let's start with 3 John 1-2. And we kind of said this just in the offering offering declaration. It's 3 John uh, verse 2. Beloved, I pray in all ways, in all respects, in all aspects of your life, that you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. Let's say that again. Beloved, I pray that in all aspects... You would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. And I think the, the definition I, I'm landing on or the way I want to frame it is prosperity is when I yield to the lordship of Jesus or to God, amen, and I obey him, then I gain access to the benefits of my obedience, and that's prosperity. So when I have done the will of the father, I'm prosperous. Everyone listen to this. Whenever we obey the Lord, that's prosperity. It does not matter what the world's measurement for success or prosperity looks like. The biblical, the kingdom definition of success and prosperity is obedience to the word of God. That's it. And if you and I can learn to obey God in every area of our life, in every season, in every decision, then we are, in his eyes, prosperous And we are now um, under the jurisdiction of another kingdom. Are you all okay? Let's track with me, all right? When I come under the lordship of Jesus and I surrender to him in obedience, I have now come under the jurisdiction of another kingdom. That means the kingdoms of this world, the spirits of this age, they do not have the say-so over my life. Jesus and the Lord does, right? He, He has dictation over my life. Does that make sense? And it comes through obedience. Even Jesus, when he came, he was the son of God. He said, I don't do anything without my father telling me to do it. Wait, hold on. Even Jesus, the son of God, did not take one step without making sure his father said, yeah, take that step. He didn't say one word without making sure... Is that what you're saying, God? Okay, dad, yes, that's what you said. Then I will say it. He only did what he saw his father doing. He only said what he saw his father saying. That's why he was anointed with the oil of gladness. That's why he was given a name above every name. Not just because he healed the sick. Not just because he cleansed lepers and raised the dead. But because he was in lockstep obedience to his father. That's why everything he did prospered. That's why when Jesus went into the temple, even as a young boy, and taught the scholars, they were in awe of him. They're like, how did he get this wisdom? Have you seen that in the, in the Gospels? They would often say, this is Jesus. We know this kid. He broke my window last week. This, like, like, this kid, who's, how's he teaching in the synagogues? And they got offended with him. But when other people heard him, they were in awe of him because he taught with authority. Why? because he was in complete obedience to his Father. That's prosperity. If you and I, if I, if I can get anything of, of these messages down into the deepest part of all of our hearts, it's that. I don't need to run someone else's race. I don't need to have someone else's outward blessings. I only need to obey the Father. And if I can learn to obey the Father and please him, then I will prosper in everything in my life. Because what is, the, what is Proverbs all about? In all of your getting, get wisdom. Wrap wisdom around you. <laughs> Clothe yourself in the wisdom of God. Because if you gain wisdom and you wrap wisdom around you, the spirit of wisdom which comes from God, if you wrap that around you, it will be strength to your bones. It will be health to your flesh. It will make sure that everything you do prospers. So prosperity has been... Um, bastardized in the church. We've got a a prosperity gospel. And what we haven't taught is that, no, the only prosperity in the kingdom is out of obedience. So that's why a monk can decide, you know what, I'm taking a vow of poverty. You know, there are people that still do this today. They take a vow of poverty so that the, everything they get, they give away to the less fortunate than them. Because they, they have a grace upon them. I could look at them and be like, what are you doing? God wants you to p- prosper. He wants you to have 10 streams of income, baby. What are you doing? Poor. And then it could be the other way. Dude, why are you so, why are you, how much money do you really need to have, kingdom business man, woman? We could get jealous, like, well, come on, I can't believe you bought that car. I can't believe you have that much. And once you give it away, well, they're being obedient to their race. That's why in our declaration, we always say that we would have compassion for both the poor and the rich, because it's easy to hate both. But a poverty spirit and a mammon spirit causes us to feel that way. But a, a prosperous soul is... I want to obey the Lord. And if I obey him, then I'm good. I can do all things because I've obeyed the father. Amen. So we talked about a poverty spirit and mammon, both. They're not demons. The word mammon is like used for wealth or possessions or things that you gather. And the word poverty would be like um, when I (laughs) when I get bad news and my first thought is I don't have blank to help that thing that I'm going through. That's poverty. It always starts with what I don't have, what I'm not equipped with, what I don't have access to. I'm preaching to me. I'm telling you, like, what I I don't have access to. And if my first thought goes to that, I'm under the influence of a poverty spirit. It's not a demon. I'm not demon-possessed by poverty or by mammon. It's a way of thinking. Poverty and mammon are a way of thinking. And what they do is they come in and they're like leaven. And they infect and affect every area of my life if I let them. Come on. They want to steal our affection. Both a poverty spirit and a spirit of mammon wants to steal our affection. They want to attach themselves to our thinking and steal our heavenly inheritance. They cut holes in our money bags. y'all are so quiet. They cause us to toil and spin. What did Jesus say? Gosh, look at the lilies of the field. They don't toil. They don't spin. They don't worry. Look at the sparrows. They're not worrying about where their food's coming from. Your heavenly father makes sure that they're fed. Your heavenly father has clothed the lilies of the field more beautifully than Solomon and all of his wealth and riches what are you worried about? (laughs) Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be added. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, where you're going to go. Don't worry about those things. People that don't have a Lord, people that don't have a shepherd worry about those things. I'm going to say that again. Don't worry about how you're going to pay this, or you're going to go there and you're going to do that and how you're going to survive here. Don't worry about those things. People without a shepherd worry about those things, but you have a shepherd. And he says, if you'll enter through me, John 10, 7, Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. Everyone who came before me was a thief and a robber, but I'm good. And if you'll come through my door, I will lead you into green pastures. I will care for you, I will watch out for you. The thief, he comes to steal, to kill, to destroy, but not me, I came to give you life abundantly. Come on, this is Jesus. And God's wanting to move us past and break through a poverty spirit and break through a spirit of mammon because he wants us to have true riches. I wanna go over a couple of things, just these things that highlight, how do I know if I've been captured? What what does it look like to have a poverty spirit? We start thinking about a scarcity mindset, what we don't have. We look for get-rich-quick schemes. We do these things, right? We tolerate inferior things. We're envious. We're jealous. We worry about money. What is mammon? Mammon was like the rich young ruler. I've done everything. I'm awesome. Look how awesome I am, Jesus. What do I need to do to inherit? Remember this? This was important. He didn't come to Jesus and say, Jesus, what do I need to do to have eternal life? He came with a businessman's mindset. And he's thinking, I know how money works. I know how investments work. So Jesus, what do I need to invest into so that I, because of my work of investment, can inherit eternal life? I don't need you. I don't need you, Jesus. I just need to know what what type of scheme do I need to implement into my life that I may have eternal life? And Jesus goes, well, you you do the law? He's like, well, I've done all those things. He's like, well, you haven't done one thing. And he actually told him, he said, you lack one thing. That would be like going to Elon Musk and be like, hey, Elon, I know you think you're awesome and all that. And I do like him. I know he's a little bit crazy. I like a lot of things and I don't like. It's like he's 50-50 sometimes, Right. It would be like going to him and say, hey, dude, you lack something. (laughs) It's like, dude, I'm the richest man on the planet. I don't lack anything. That's how the rich young ruler came to Jesus. I don't lack anything. I'm not poor in spirit. And the Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We can't inherit the kingdom of heaven until we acknowledge our need for Jesus. We can't. There's no works. There are no works. There's no scheme. There's no strategy. It's simply surrender. (laughs) I'm poor. I've got nothing except you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, help us. Let's go to Luke 16. I told you I'm I'm trying to, I'm editing on the spot. I've got my red pen out in my head. Let's go to Luke 16, verse one. A really weird par- parable. Like, there's some, there's some in the Bible that are kind of hard to understand. This is one of the weird ones, honestly. B- because it, it's easy to misread it. So let's go through it. Luke 16, verse 1. And Jesus said to who? Whom, whom was he talking to here? His disciples. His disciples. But he had just spent a long time talking to a lot of people. So there were still other people hanging around. But Jesus diverts his attention from teaching the masses and anyone who just, you know, strolled up there. And now he's speaking directly to his disciples. All right. And he goes, there was a certain rich man who had a steward. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. He was not stewarding well. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship for you can no longer be my steward. He fires him on the spot. Then the steward said within himself, what am I going to do? There's no unemployment at this time. He's not going to withdraw for unemployment, you know, he's not going to get a check. He says, my master is taking the stewardship away from me. That's where he lived, that's where he ate. Everything he needed was taken care of by his master as he stewarded well. But when he stopped stewarding well, now he's out on his own. He's like, I don't know how I'm gonna make it. I can't dig. Here he goes. I have no skills. (laughs) I feel this way often. I can't dig. I can't program software. I'm not not an engineer. Like, what would I do to make a living? This is where he is. I'm I'm too ashamed to beg. I've resolved what to do. I'm gonna, that when I am put out of the stewardship, um, that they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him. And he said to the first one, how much do you owe my master? And he said, I owe him a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill, sit down down quickly and write 50. So he's changing what he owes. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He says, well, I owe a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and Mark it out and write down, you owe him 80. So the master commanded the unjust steward. Whoa, the unjust steward. Now he's unjust because he had dealt shrewdly. He commended him. He's cheating. It's just a strange parable. I I don't fully understand this. I try to wrap my head around it. He's mad at him because he's not being a good steward. But then when he acts shrewdly, he's like, dude, well done. I didn't know you had it in you, that kind of thing. And then Jesus is comparing the world to this unjust steward. He's like saying, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. He's saying they understand the world system and wealth, and they act more shrewdly around it than the people of light do. He says, he says, I say to you, make friends for yourselves, unrighteous mammon. Again, I, I'm not here to preach this parable, but it's really strange. But it gets to where we're closing out today, all right? That when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. Again, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. But then it says, for he who is faithful in what is least will be faithful also in much. He's saying, these, these guy, this guy in the story is not a good guy. Don't be like him. He's not telling his disciples to be unjust, to be, to be shrewd in the world sense. But he's saying, if you will steward well little, I will give you more. He's saying there's a lesson here. And if you're faithful in little, come on, you'll also be faithful in much. And if you're unjust in what is a little bit, you'll also be unjust in a lot. He's revealing the heart of this steward. And then he says, verse 11, therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, how many have some unrighteous mammon in your wallet right now? You have money, right? It's the world system. There's money in your bank account. You work a job. Hello? So we have it. We're in the system. We're not of the system, but we're in the system. So we need to be good stewards of it. This is what he's telling them. He's like, if you can't be if you can't be faithful with that. Anyone have I don't have any cash on me but take a dollar bill or something out. That is Oh, yeah. No, I'm just like. <laughs> she's like I ain't got a dollar but I got a 100. No, she's like <laughs> That's a that's worldly. It has no value. Really, ultimately it will be burned up. But Jesus is saying you need to be good stewards of that. Because that's insignificant. And if you can't be good stewards of that, why would I ever entrust you true riches? This is what he says here. If you will not be faithful in what is another's, another man's, who will give you what is your own? If you will not be faithful with unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you true riches? And it says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth and mammon. What's the point? Did you know that Jesus actually talked about money and possessions more than he talked about hell? And he would say things like, because where your treasure is, your heart will be. He's talking to his disciples here, and he's like, hey, guys, listen. You're in a world system that's corrupt. And the people in the world system, they act shrewdly. I mean, creditors, they act shrewdly, don't they? They're going to get their money. Hello? Y'all dealt with some business people in the world that are shrewd? It doesn't mean they're evil. It just means they know how to handle the world's money. There's a system that they are attached to. And if they're not in the kingdom, it has their heart. And Jesus is speaking to every one of us at FireLife. You're in the world. You've got some ungodly mammon in your wallet, in your bank account. Take care of that money. Don't hate it just because it's in the world. Don't mismanage it just because it's worldly. Steward it well. Because if you can't steward that, which is insignificant, if you can't steward that well, then why would I dump onto you the riches of heaven? He's not talking about money here. True riches are not money. True riches are the kingdom. It's the kingdom. It's the kingdom. Jesus would say things like, If I cast out this demon by the finger of God, the kingdom has come near you. That's true riches. Jesus says, If I raise the dead, if I heal the sick, if I cleanse the leper, the kingdom has come near you. That's true riches. And Jesus is teaching us in this parable that if we don't learn how to steward and manage our earthly wealth well, then he will not entrust to us true riches. Like that doesn't make any sense. It's his message, it's not mine. There is something holy attached to stewarding well what isn't mine. There's something holy about stewarding well what I don't own. There's something holy about taking the wealth of the world, which is which has gotten through all kinds of ways. And it's it's meaningless and insignificant, but taking it and putting it into the hands of God and making it holy. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, I said that money in the hands of a righteous person becomes a weapon. It disarms things. It breaks down barriers. You know, the other day I saw I don't know if you know of a guy named Nathan Finocchio. He's amazing. Um, a theologian and a comedian all wrapped into one, which is, and he's crazy, strange looking. And he was uh, doing a conference here, um, I think at um, Fellowship Church with uh, Ed Young, C3. And he was saying the, the whole world's, the world right now is talking about the church. The church is failing, the church is worthless, the church has nothing, the church is not doing anything. And he's like, I'm so sick of hearing it. He goes, the church is feeding the world. Hello? (laughs) The church is clothing the naked all around the world. I mean, who takes their wealth that they work hard for and go to a people they don't know, to a people that don't trust them, and dig wells for them to drink clean water? The church does. Who does it for no reward back from the people? Who goes and builds orphanages and schools and housing all around the world just for people that don't have it because Jesus told us to love them? The church does. Christians do, not the church organization. People actually decide to do those things. I would love for us to think about missions differently. We're not sending an organization. We're sending a person, a man, a woman who has said yes to the call of God. And then people have said yes to finance and to fund and to equip those people to go do the work of Jesus. What does that? It's people who figured out, you know what? I don't like money. I don't like the world system. I don't like the business world or the politics. But you know what? If I can steward it well, I can do good with it. And I want that. I want to do good. Come on. But you know what I want even more than that? I want to heal the sick, and I want to cleanse lepers, and I want to cast out demons, and I want to be able to say to people, the kingdom has come near you. I want to be able to say, you know what? I stewarded my finances as well as I could, and God has trusted me with true riches because I was faithful with with what was another man's, another woman's, and he trusted me with more. Come on. This is not about money, guys. It's not. It's about where is our heart's treasure? Who is the Lord of our life? It's the Father's good pleasure to give you his kingdom. Would you say that with me? It's the Father's good pleasure to give me his kingdom. This means that we need to act righteously and handle wealth in a godly way, because Jesus is my Lord. And he's the owner, I'm just the steward. I don't own it. I want you to think right now, how much money, don't say out loud, how much money do you have in your bank account? It's not ours, we don't own it. How much equity have we built up? How much is our house worth, our cars worth? We don't own them, they're not ours. We are simply stewards, and the way we, this is so convicting in so many ways, the way we steward every one of these things that God entrusts us with, to that measure, he trusts us with true riches. I really believe that, and it's not works. It's not that. Like, if we think we can figure out a trick to trick God into giving us true riches, that's being a thief and a robber. He knows. So when I say true riches, what I want to see and what I want to see in my life, not just at church, I mean in the streets. I want people to know that God's alive. That he cares. He's not the watchmaker. He didn't put everything in motion and sit back and just watch the world tick. He's not. He's intricately involved in the details of every one of our lives. He absolutely cares from the, from the greatest to the least. He cares. And he has good plans for everyone. The terrorist, the child rapist, he has good plans for them. I don't have good plans for him, but he does. <laughs> it's how we feel, right? But God does. God cares. He cares about the politicians that lie constantly. He cares about them. And he told us, don't speak ill of them, pray for them. Like, oh man, I'm in trouble. Can I rewind 15 years of my life? (laughs) Pray for them, don't curse them. Like God let them have that position. Oh, God would never let Trump be president. God would never let Biden be president. God would never let blah, blah, blah be president. God raises up, God puts down, man. And often we get what we ask for. There's a strange verse right in the middle of a psalm, Psalm 115, verse 16. If you want to look that up, you can. Psalm 115, verse 16. I'm closing it out. Psalm 115, verse 16. It says, the heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. Great. We all agree, right? The heavens are the Lord's. And then I remember another verse that says, and the earth is his footstool, right? And the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Those things are true. But look at this verse. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth, he has given to the children of men. What? What? Jesus, God, is the owner of heaven, even the heavens and even the earth. But he has entrusted the earth. He has given, entrusted into the care of the earth to the children of men. I have a cure for climate change. I really do. I honestly believe this. Like The climate changes all the time, but I, I feel like there's a cure for it. It's the sons of God being revealed on the earth. I believe that the earth will be healed. You can think I'm crazy when righteous people rise up and they either come up with I, like crazy solutions to changes or whatever's perceived to be changing. You can argue this back and forth. I could really argue back and forth on this. But my point is, we don't know. <laughs> but I believe that when the sons... And daughters of God realize who we are and realize that he has entrusted the world into our care. The state of this world right now, it's up to us. It's in our, We're the steward. And he's probably looking down as the owner like, hey guys, what are you doing with what I gave you? You're being bad stewards. stop it. Steward it well. Steward wealth well, and I will pour riches from heaven. Amen? All right. I'm going to share a dream. I wasn't going to. I'm going to. I had it in my notes, and I was going back and forth, but I'm going to. <clears throat> so I've been having, so over the years, I would have three to four dreams max a year that I remember. I'm brain dead at night. <laughs> or I don't know. Or I don't understand it, but I don't, I don't dream a lot. And anytime, literally anytime I've had a dream, it was either from the Lord or it's him correcting me or giving me insight or, or stirring something inside of it. Like it was a specific reason, but I've been having a lot more dreams lately. And, uh, Hank told me it's cause I'm old. <laughs> he said, old men dream dreams, Jared. <laughs> I'm like, yes, sir. They do. So, uh, I, I guess I've passed that age of the the visions. Now I'm into the dreams. I know, it's, it's very well marked. And um, I've had dreams where I've awakened crying. I've had dreams where I've awakened laughing. I've had dreams, Mandy said I was praying in tongues, like just dreams. Like really good encounters have been happening for probably the last six months. And um, so the other night I'm having a dream and... It opens up with a sky roller coaster of some kind, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I don't wanna do that, I don't, I'm, I don't care about that stuff anymore, I got all that done in my teens. And man, he's like, do this, you, you never have fun, do, some, do it fun, go ride the roller coaster. I'm like, all right, I climb up, I ride this crazy sky, I can't even describe it, it just looks like you climb this ladder way up into the sky, and you ride this really wild roller coaster. And I rode it, and I was like, dude, that was the most fun, I was so glad I did it. I was like a little kid. And then the scene changes and it flashes me and I'm at, it feels like Oakland Coliseum um, or the LA Angels, uh, Anaheim Angels area baseball field. And I'm sitting in the outfield and it's just me and there's three or four people around and we're talking and we're talking about freedom stuff. I don't know, Texans, like, we're the best. I don't know, we're just talking. And um, you, I, I couldn't see faces, but you could tell male, female in the dream, you could, you could tell. And I'm just going to tell the whole dream, Yeah. And Manny's like, sure. So I'm sitting there and, and um, I could tell it was a female and she leaned forward and she's like, you know, you could have anything you want and never be told no. And I was like, uh, what does that mean? I didn't say I didn't even respond to her. And in the dream, um, it flashes forward. And I got the sense that it was Jesus in the dreams telling me, he goes, it's like when, when I was tempted by Satan. He's like, here, you can have all this stuff if you just bow down and worship me. Like, you, you can have whatever you want. You can have it. doesn't matter. You can have it. And so, flash forward, and I'm in a, in a market somewhere, and there are people everywhere. And, I, and I, it's funny because last Saturday night, uh, Mandy and I looked into our future, and we took our only child, Levi, out for wherever he wanted to go on a Friday. He's not our only child, but we're just very soon. <laughs> we are like, where do you want to go, buddy? Where do you want to go eat? So, we went to Penn stack and... I did do a sky thing, a ropes course in the sky. So it affected my dream. And I was surrounded by tons of people. And I told Manny, I said, this is my hell. I'm sorry. Just the noise, the people everywhere, the chaos. It was hot. I was like, this is my hell. Well, in my dream, I'm flash forward. I'm in a setting outside like a market, like a street market. And there are thousands of people everywhere. And as I'm there, I grab a box and I step up on the box. And I start shouting out, hey. Does anyone here have a weary soul? Is your soul tired? And people are like looking at me crazy. What is, is, and I'm just like a carnival barker. Hey, anyone got a tired soul? Anyone, are your soul weary? Are you tired? And people are like, dude, how old are you? Are you like 80? Like who talks soul tired, whatever? I'm like, if you don't understand what I'm saying, it's not for you. And I keep doing it. Is your soul tired? And I just kept doing it. And as I did it, people started gathering over like on the side. Dozens of people. I can't even count. But just, they started coming up and I just keep on, is your soul tired? And they met over here. So I stopped there and I go to the people and I preach the gospel to them on the street. And I'm telling them about Jesus. And it's like their, their countenance was like ashes. And as I preached, their countenance turned to light and they were grinning ear to ear and the joy of the Lord was on them. And they were being set free. And I woke up weeping, and I was telling the Lord, thank you, Lord, for letting me be part of it. Thank you. Like, I get to play. I want to play in the game. I don't want to play in the game here on Sunday morning. I want to play in the game out there where the souls are weary and tired. And the Lord's stirring this, and he's talking to me about true riches. It's like, Jared, if you'll steward well. I'll give you true riches. And Jared, if I call you to step up in the middle of a restaurant or the street and ask people if they have a weary soul, you better do it. Don't tell me no. And I'm only sharing that because that's my heart. That's where my heart is right now. I'm like, people's lives depend on us being good stewards of what God's given us. People are relying, they don't even know us, but they're relying on us. That person you drive by, the person down the street from you, their marriage is crumbling. You don't even know it. They put the smile on when they walk by their dog, but they're falling apart. They need you to say, hey, is your soul tired? They need us to say, ask, are you you weary? Are you tired? Are you worn out with life? Are you worn out with mammon and poverty and wealth? And Are you tired with all of this? Because Jesus will give you a drink and you'll never thirst again. This is what I see for Fire Life. This is what I see us becoming. Let's pursue true riches. Let's go after the, the, the one who's by themselves. Let's go after the person who's addicted to, to name it, drugs, alcohol. It doesn't matter. Let's set the captives free. Let's stop sitting in here being blessed and, and frustrated at the same time. How, how does that happen? How many have ever been so blessed but then so frustrated at the same time? That's how I feel right now. I'm so blessed, but I'm so frustrated. Why? Because there's an ache in my heart for something that's not earthly. The true riches are here. Like real meaning for life. Real meaning. Real, something real to pursue. Something worthy of giving my blood, my sweat, my tears for. It's there. Come on. That's why true riches are Matter, come on, that's why it matters. That's why breaking a poverty spirit has to be done. That's why breaking a spirit of mammon has to be done because the kingdom is also leaven. It's also leaven. It also affects the way we think. And the moment we break the poverty spirit and the spirit of mammon and tap into obedience through, the, through Jesus Christ and we get the, the mind of Christ, all of a sudden it will affect everything we think about now. It will also wrap itself around us. Come on. It will grip our hearts. Would you stand with me? <clears throat> Thanks for letting me ramble. <sighs> Jesus. You know, what's funny is, is part, that part of the dream with the soapbox stepping on the box, that's how, that's how my great-great-grandpa, that's, how, that's what he used to do. He used to take his guitar right in the middle of downtown Denton, step up on a soapbox and and sing, and then preach. Okay? (laughs) This is Nerf football right here, baby. This is Nerf. Out there, that's where they need us. That's where the game really is. But we have to have something to give them when we go there. What did did they say? Silver and gold. I don't have. But I have true riches. Come on. I got something better. And you want that way more. I promise. Would you just pray with me for a moment? Jesus, we just ask you to speak to us. Holy Spirit, come on. Grip our hearts, Holy Spirit, for this. To grab hold of true riches, we have to let go of something else. If there's anything that you can think of right now, if it's poverty or if it's mammon or if it's anything else that's, that's keeping you from grabbing true riches, let go of it. Come on, confess it, repent right now, get the Lord's mind on it, make an exchange, yeah. Lord, I lay aside these things that I've held on to that made me feel safe, that have made me feel insulated. <laughs> and we trust you. Father, we want to be trusted with little. We want to be trusted with that which is not ours so that you would give us true riches, God. Yeah, if this is your heart too, would you just lift your hand right where you are? Yeah, Jesus, you see us. (laughs) You see us. (laughs) And you know us. And we say yes. We let go. Come on, why don't you just release? We let go of all other things. And we seek the kingdom. Father, let us be sons and daughters of light. (sighs) Let us be salt and light, God. We've got enough message. Get us back on message, God. Jesus told them, these things you've seen me do, you will do in even greater things. Would you pray for your neighbor? Would you pray, God, let them do greater things? Come on. Heal the sick. Come on, pray it over them. Let them heal the sick. Let them cast out demons. Cleanse lepers. Raise the dead. Come on. Freely we give because freely we received. (laughs) Father, we yield to you. We yield to you, Jesus. We also yield to your lordship. We declare Jesus Christ is Lord I felt there's an invitation here. Um, I, I I saw the the scripture and I saw it like played out as a play just in my head. It flashed of people don't light a candle and, and hide it under a bushel or a bucket, but they put it on a stand so that it gives light to the entire house. And then it goes on and it says that 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 um, let your light so shine among men that they may see your good deeds and also glorify your Father in heaven. And I felt like there's an invitation right now for the lid to be lifted off of your light, for you to be put on a, a specific lampstand. And whether I've put the bushel on it or the bucket on it or the, or the, the lid on it or, it or circumstances or whatever, but I just felt like the Lord's ready to lift the lid. So if that's you, would you raise your hand? The Lord's going to lift your lid. Come on. He's removing the thing that has hidden the light that's inside of you. He's breaking off right now. Come on. Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. But Then when he says, when I leave, you are the light of the world. Come on. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. I declare that you are the light of the world because Christ is in you and you cannot be hidden. The light in you, the light of Christ cannot be hidden. The effect of his light, come on, how many have seen the light of Christ? The effect of his light can't be hidden anymore. The benefits of his light cannot be hidden. (laughs) The people sitting in darkness, a light has sprung up. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Activate the light in us. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's anything else you'd like prayer for? We'll meet you here at the front. Thank you so much for being here. Look for, look for the people that look like their soul is tired and just ask them. They say yes, give them something to eat. Break the bread of life and give it to them. Amen? Thank you for being here. We bless you. I bless you with adventures this week. Yeah, with adventures. Amen.